0: It's indeed a, a joy to be here. I have followed the college from afar for many years. Uh, I've seen the pictures uh, in the uh, but the pictures don't do, do this justice, and then uh, somehow I feel that I know you, but I do because we just met. Um, I, I won't you already heard those of you who are at mass have already heard enough from me for one day, but I just want to say a couple things. Uh, as Dr. McLean mentioned, I was had the good uh, fortune of studying in Rome for the priesthood and I had as my teacher there among my other teachers, uh, Father Reggie Foster, who uh, at the time and, and years before that had been the, uh, the official translator for the Pope of anything that uh, the Pope wrote into, the, into Latin. And since uh, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote in Latin, uh, you'll pardon me for making this brief reference to Father Reggie as my Latin teacher, the greatest teacher there of Latin that ever drew breath, I believe. But when he first started to work, uh, well, when Paul, John Paul II became Pope, uh, and he, he had the first uh, document that Father Reggie had to translate for him. The Holy Father signed it, Ioannis Paulus II, with, a, with an I, instead of a J for the eight uh, the Ioannis. Those of you that know Latin will appreciate this, I think. Uh, he wrote an I instead of a J. And so Father Reggie sent this back to the Pope, and he said, Holy Father there is no such thing as I, as the letter I, in the Latin language. Sincerely, Father Reggie Foster. And he got this back with the reply in the Pope's handwriting, there is now John Paul II. (laughs) Whenever I think of him, I can't resist telling that story. But actually, uh, Father Reggie reminds me of of St. Thomas in a more uh, concrete way, and that is that he used to delight he, he, Latin was his entire life, he, he was like a mu- like Mozart with music, it was Latin with, with him, and it was infectious. You just, you just shared his love for Latin when you had him as a student. And he would uh, take students on these excursions throughout Italy, especially in Rome and thereabouts, go down to, C- to, to, the, to the Roman Forum on the, on the Ides of March to commemorate Julius Caesar, and you'd read from the Latin texts and all this kind of stuff. And he was never more happy than when he did that, but one day, I went with him on a, on a trip for St. Thomas Aquinas Day. And we began uh, at Aquino. We went out to the little village of Aquino uh, where St. Thomas was born. And there, down in the, you come into the town and then you take a winding road up to the top of, maybe not as big as that hill there, but it reminds me of it. I guess it's not that high up, but in any event, there up on the top, there's these ruins. The ruins of the Aquinas family castle. And so you're there where St. Thomas was raised as a, as a boy. And uh, there we read uh, in the Latin from some of the uh, uh, apocryphal accounts of his birth. I don't know if you've ever seen those before where there was a miraculous uh, appar- apparition to his mother announcing that he was coming after all this, kind of put, modeled on the, on the annunciation of, to Jesus and so on. And we read those accounts and then we just uh, kind of took in, the had our lunch there, just in the ruins. And then uh, you go over to the edge of the, of the hill there and there's this kind of a cliff and down below is this magnificent valley below. You can see everything. You, you look just as far as you can see. You, can, you just have this panoramic view. And it's, I was, I'll never forget that. It seemed as if St. Thomas from the very ground that he grew up on absorbed this magnificent overall view of the world as in the light of God. It's as if it was right in his, he just came with his, with his eyesight and it went right into his head, so to speak, and into his soul, right from his youth. So that made a, if you ever have a chance to go there, I would highly recommend that you go, having been to Thomas Aquinas College, that you go to Aquino and visit that spot. Well, we began there and then we uh, took our bus again and we went to uh, Fossa Nova, which is where St. Thomas died. It's a, it's a Cistercian uh, monastery, and we went into the, uh, there's a beautiful Cistercian Gothic church there. But first, maybe you've heard of this, maybe you've been there. Uh, we stood uh, at the spot there where, uh, we went to the room where St. Thomas was sick and died. And as you go into that room uh, in the square, in the little courtyard outside, in the, in the, uh, the tile, the, the stone tile there, there's a big indentation right by the door a hole almost, in the stone. And it is said that that's where uh, St. Thomas was said to be quite heavy, and that's where the burrow sank into the ground, un- under the weight of St. Thomas's cor- corpulence, we could say. But then, uh, but that, those things are memorable. And then we went into the room where he died, and people would go come to see him and, and ask him, even at that late stage, to comment on the scriptures, which he did. And then there he died in Fossa Nova, which means literally in Italian, the new ditch. Not exactly a very beautiful title, but in relation to the Aquino and Fossa Nova, I think there's quite a connection. And that is that St. Thomas, it's almost, if we liken it, and I'm looking to this mountain here now, liken it to the Mount of the Transfiguration. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, you go up to Mount Tabor and you see this, this magnificent vista all around. And that's what the apostles saw in Jesus when he was transfigured before them. And as St. Peter says, it is good for us to be here. Let's build a tent and stay here. But no, you don't. As a Christian, you have this vision of the glory that is to come and of the vision of God's goodness and the world that he's made. And then you must go down into the valley, just as Jesus did. And what is the first thing he encounters when he goes down? This man with a son that's been you know, possessed by the demon. Right back into all the conflicts and the suffering of the world. But the vision is, the vision is not disappeared. The vision comes down and then helps to transform that suffering world into the world God wants it to be. And so it is, I think, to go down into the ditch, the new ditch. In a sense, we might say that the ditch, nova fossa nova, is always new, because you now will have this this wonderful occasion in your life to contemplate with Saint Thomas the wonders of God's world, and then to have that in your mind, and you've got to go now into the new ditch of your life. You've got to go down, or you will have to go down, into the suffering world that we inhabit. But you do not leave the vision behind. Do not leave it behind. I I cannot say how much I envy you the opportunity to study under the aegis of St. Thomas. I would give anything to go back 30 years and start over with his instruction. And I I would certainly wish all of you who are starting this journey this year every good thing. And uh, I hope your years will be fruitful and that you will absorb the great gifts of this wonderful master of the Christian life. Many thanks.